Hi, this is John Cronin. Today, we're going to talk about how to sell your patent, winning the game where others lose through just sheer lack of knowledge. And this is part one of two. Coming up, discover how patents can be sold by highlighting unique qualities of the patent or addressing infringement concerns. We'll show how you can maximize the value. Understand how to get insights to position yourself as a sought-after seller. Mastering structures of professional press releases or targeting the right markets, even leveraging graphics and tapping into expert guidance to maximize the sale. Stay tuned for a lot of different strategies, like for instance, unleash the Trojan horse tactic and uncover the keys to successful patent transactions. Inventions keep the world spinning. From fire in the wheel to today's high tech, inventions power change. Turn your inventions into reality. Learn how to get your ideas to market. This is Invent Anything with John Cronin. Hi, I'm John Cronin, and today we'll cover six different topics. The first are the basics. We're going to get those right. Then we're going to have a topic around patent citations. Then we're going to move on to press releases. Then we're going to talk about how, how valuations for the patents can be used to leverage the transaction. We'll talk about the Trojan horse techniques that have worked so well. And we'll talk about how to leverage, especially when to sell to large companies. And then of course, we'll wrap up. You know, every time I do a podcast, I sort of think of the audience. And for this particular podcast, the audience will certainly those who want to sell their patents. And, and even without experience, this could be very useful for you. For those who are considering whether they want to sell their patents, Maybe this podcast will help you decide if you do, because it's a considerable amount of work. Maybe you want to be a person that is preparing to sell your patents. Well, that's great, because this will provide a checklist for you. Maybe you're developing patents, and you're thinking down the road you want to sell patents. Well, this is great, because there's a lot of things you might be able to build into the patents based upon what we're talking about today. For those inventors that basically want to draft even better patents and have a better opportunity to sell, this is for you. And finally, the opposite point of view, if you're a buyer of patents, you might want to take a listen because you'll understand what the sellers are trying to do to you. So this is John Cronin from Invent Anything and discover how patents can revolutionize industries, how you can highlight unique qualities and build trust, create competitive advantage and enhance marketability. And coming up, understand how you can protect against infringement and how to make the buyer understand that. Also discover how patent citations can help you attract potential buyers how you identify the markets, how you address a lot of different concerns, how to actually explore alternatives to selling your patent and ultimately maximizing the value in the markets you're in. Now let's go to topic number one, the basics. But before I start, I want to give you a little bit of my background uh, as a person who's been involved in selling patents for decades. As a matter of fact, in my firm, IP Capital Group, uh, a number of the services we have are related to helping companies and individuals sell patents. I actually created and ran a licensing company, patent licensing and sale company for five to six years as well. And I've been involved in many, many transactions, transactions from the hundreds of thousands to many, many, many millions. So I do have a lot of background here that I'd like to share. So let's get into the basics. The first is to really understand how, when you're marketing your, pat your patents, how to highlight the innovation you have. You see, the invention must be something, when the patent is granted, something that really shows its uniqueness, the qualities. For example, you know, when Tesla uh, you know, talks about its cars, it, it talks about its autonomous driving as one of the key features. 
Likewise, what you have to be able to do is figure out what the key feature is that you want to highlight. The second part of the basics is building trust. There's no way you can sell paths to somebody that doesn't trust you. So what you need to do is to sort of make sure you've got your legal protection correct and make sure through the process that any questions that are answered, you really uh, have, have the right answers. You can't fake it. Uh, having the title of the patent correct and things like that. You know, patents can be used not only to sell the patents themselves, but patents can also be used to leverage even selling a business where the patents are part of it. In, in the pharmaceutical industry, for instance, uh, patents are there really to reassure doctors and patients that drugs they, they have are, are basically innovative. So if you're selling patents, you certainly want to build the trust by showing how your patent or patents are truly innovative. We have We own the right and, and you can do everything in the sale to build the trust. One of the things that patents do is to create competitive advantage, right? It gives you an exclusive right to stop somebody else uh, from making, using, or selling. And you can make money from patents. Uh, a lot of people imitate patents as well. So when you're trying to sell a patent, it's really good to be able to understand the buyer's competition. Why would they want to buy your patents? How would your patents help them with their competition? And understanding that and elaborating on that in a deal would really help. Another thing is, when you're trying to sell patents, one of the basics is that there's a perceived value to patents. Now, some buyers are, are, are very open to paying money to buy patents. Some buyers need a lot more convincing. What's happening is, if, if you take a look at you know, various you know, patent transactions, there's a perceived value in the marketplace. If you're in the medical device space, Patents are really a transaction lifeblood. People buy and sell patents all the time. In other spaces, it's a little bit more different. So you walk into a market where there's already a built-in perceived value uh, to patents, and you should know that. What is the perceived value of patents in the market? If you're a software patent and you're you know, one of 300,000 software patents inside of a cell phone, maybe the perceived value is not gonna be as high. So it's good to understand that. You can always change the perceived value, but it's good to understand the perceived value when you get started. One of the things you want to do when you're selling patents, one of the basics is to really improve the or enhance the marketability. By this, I mean that you can use patents whereby they have distinctive qualities that you can then showcase to a potential buyer. In other words, when a buyer is looking at a patent claim of a group of patents, they're thinking about what they can do with it in their market. So the more that you know about the buyer's market and the more you know how you can get your patents to be highly valued in their market is really important. One of the things about the basics is that many times patents can be used to secure license agreements as well. Uh, you can get third parties to you know, take a license to the patents. But why do we need to know about licensing patents when we're talking about selling patents, right? Well, one of the aspects of selling patents, believe it or not, is that it always comes down to whether you just want to license it. What's the difference between licensing a patent to someone versus selling it? Well, when you sell the patent, you're giving them all the rights. Many buyers might just want access to the patent and not get sued. So licensing may be a very useful way to you know, cut a deal, but it's always very good to know the difference between patents uh, for, it, for selling versus patents for licensing, because the buyer is always going to have that consideration. They don't necessarily need to buy the patent to get their business going. They might buy the patent for a whole bunch of different reasons, um, building their portfolio, and maybe they want to sue a, a competitor. So you need to think about that. 
one of the things about patents, which is always very good from a basic standpoint, is that they allow you to negotiate partnerships. So if you have some patents that you want to sell, believe it or not, be ready for the buyer maybe to talk about not buying the patents, uh, but maybe forming some sort of partnership arrangement. Maybe they would like to buy the products related to the patents from you, and they do something with it. So negotiating partnerships is always one of the basics in selling patents. One of the things is that patents stop others uh, from making, using, or selling, as we mentioned. But patents are a great hedge against infringement. So sometimes customers will buy you know, patents because they don't want to be sued. And so one of the primary things is to figure out how to sell patents without telling them that they will be sued because you don't want to get a declaratory judgment. You have to also think about sort of how your patent is going to help stay ahead of the competition. Um, selling to someone the reason to buy your patents in one sense is simple. They might need it because they're infringing. They might need it because if they had it, they could improve their markets, their products. Another reason to buy it is to improve their competition or space. If they have it, the competition doesn't. There's many factors that have to do with the perceived value of the patent and transaction. And these are just some of the basics and there's many more. In our second topic, we're gonna to talk about a very interesting way that you can really leverage uh, how to sell your patent. One of the things is understanding patent citations. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about what, what those are. So when you have a patent that gets issued, the patent examiner will provide in the patent other patents that have been cited on top of your patent. So you're kind of in a chain of patents. When you get a patent, you have cited others. And when you get a patent over time, you will be cited. So that's the chain. So if you're citing someone versus you're going to be cited, that gives you companies that should be interested in your patents, right? Because if you're citing someone's patents, maybe those companies would be interested uh, in buying your patents. On the other hand, if you are being cited by other companies, those companies might also be interested in buying your patent. So understanding the world of citations it's not that tricky, but it does take some thinking and some knowledge. One of the things about citations is the age of, uh, of your patent really reflects how many citations you're going to have. The day, first day your patent issues, for instance, you're not going to have any patents citing you. Ten years from now, you probably have a lot more patents citing you, et cetera. If your patents cite other patents, but those patents are extremely old, then chances are that shows that your patent is a jump uh, versus a sort of incremental build-on. So understanding the age of the citations, as well as the companies that are citing you, reads volumes into how you're going to market your patents. So you can leverage backward citations. You can attract potential buyers because it's possible these companies are interested in purchasing because your patents are building on them, right? You may have actually patented something that they were going to patent, but you did it first. So that's the kind of a, a purchase that is uh, very normal in today's purchase buying of patents, where someone has where you are building on somebody else's patents. As a matter of fact, not in this podcast, but we can talk further about how literally to use this as a process to build valuable patents. You see, if you know a company's patent portfolio and you can invent on top of it and those issue, you can now use these patents uh, from a citations standpoint to basically sell your patents. Forward citations is another thing. You see, every six months or so, it might be worth checking your forward citations because maybe some brand new company has popped up that's citing your patents in a totally different market. So whatever your patent is, maybe it's a, a new material that you have designed maybe for environment and you know some of the companies that might want to buy it. But on the other hand, by checking the citations, one day 
you see some space companies are citing your patent. What does that mean? Well, maybe your new material is now being thoughtful and used for space applications. So monitoring citations of your patents is a great way to always understand the market of the potential sale of your patents. One of the things about you know, citations is that uh, when you develop your patents and you, you start to uh, get cited uh, by others, it, it could now put you in a very interesting position because if you have products related to your patents and you have patents related to your products, now you're kind of telling the world more about how you're related to the, to the companies that will be citing you or that you're citing. Meaning that as you're having more and more citations, you're opening up the world of possibilities for buying or selling your patent, I mean, but you're also opening up the possibilities that you're getting recognized. And sometimes we see a lot of our clients where all of a sudden they'll get a notice where somebody else wants to sell patents to them or they'll be infringed upon because their patents led us to that situation. One of the things is that the number of citations has a lot to do with things. I, I, a lot of patents maybe have five, 10, or 15 citations. Some patents have 20, 30, 40. I know some patents have 10,000 citations. So if your patent has huge amounts of citations, its value is going up. You see, if you file a patent, there's so many patents that are citing, or are being, citing your patent, that shows that everybody has an interest. That's a really great a really great moniker. And when you try to sell your patents, using citations is an important part. On the other hand, you could have low citation numbers, right? I mentioned that the first day your patent issues, you're not going to have any citations. That's one thing. But suppose your patent's been out for five or 10 years and you have very low citations. What does that tell you? It tells you that the market may not be as interested in your patent because they're not building on it. And so getting citation data, sometimes our clients when they look at low citations, it's the number one reason they decide not to proceed to sell the patents and save all that time. One of the great things about citations is it's an alternate way to find new buyers because the company names and inventors of the patents that you're citing or are citing you is a great list of potential companies to be potential buyers. So you can see by harnessing all these things about citations, whether it's backwards or forwards or in time or how many or which companies or which inventors, et cetera, you have the ability to really enhance your strategy to go to market to sell your patents, but also you enhance your ability to build up a marketing package because with this kind of information, you can do a much better job in selling your patents. So that's really cool. So coming up, let's learn how to position yourself as a sought after seller, uh, how to get involved with press releases, how to find the right markets, how to incorporate graphics and so on and how to also understand how you can use third parties to maximize your value. Also discover how patent valuations can help empower you to set not only a fair price, but understand how to negotiate. You can identify multiple markets in, in doing a patent valuation. You can find out the objections in advance by doing a patent valuation. And you can determine things like royalty rates and potential other, other issues to some expert guidance evaluations. So learn, up, learn about the coming up of patent valuations and also press releases. So let's talk about topic number three, using press releases. Now, I think, first of all, if you're selling patents, so many people just get amazed that they hadn't thought about this, doing press releases. We all know what a press release is, right? Um, basically, it's the ability to put together one or two pages as if it's a special thing to release it. There are many different PR companies that will 
allow you to do a press release. You have to pay for it usually $500, $2,000 or whatever. So imagine doing a press release about your patent uh, and that, you know, it's doing all these special things and it has the ability to, you know, help all sorts of, you know, industries and, and announcing in a press release that you're literally selling your patent is another direction for the press release. By doing this, what's happening is the press release is getting to people who might read the press release. Um, there's a lot of work on how people would like to buy, you know, from you for patents. And one of the key things is it's so much better if they find you than you find them. In other words, if you're knocking on the door and trying to get in, uh, they can reject you through their gatekeepers. The more you hound them, the less valuable they think whatever you're doing is. On the other hand, a press release can be done in such a way that basically they come to you, which is the best way to start a patent sale. So one of the things about the basics of a press release is there's a formula to it. And you can take a look at some of the ones that we've done online. Or, uh, but there is a formula where you need to grab the reader's attention in the first paragraph. You need to have a body of a press release that basically describes what it is, of course. But you always need to have in a press release some special features or functions that nobody has that you can tout as being very special. Uh, for instance, uh, touting that it has 1,000 citations or touting that the patent claims uh, do you know, certain things, um, touting that it's first in the industry, touting that it, it makes whatever it is 35% more efficient. See, your patent is issued, but the patents actually do something, right? And then there has to be a call to action in the press release. In other words, you're at the end, somewhere in the press release towards the end, you know, you know, contact us if you're interested. This is a very simple example, but it can be more sophisticated, whereas you're opened up for business, looking for business partners. doesn't directly say you're selling the patents, but it says that you're open up for business looking for business partners. So having a press release well thought out, and this is where experts help to, to do it well, is really good. Let them find you. Now, the next thing is determining the target markets for the press release. And now, this is interesting because, you know, you would think that press releases are all the same, but they're actually published in different markets in different ways. Sometimes you could do a press release in an electronic news blur. Sometimes you can do a press release inside of a magazine, a digital magazine. Sometimes you can do a, a press release that just goes, uh, you know, through some social media source, et cetera. So you have to figure out not only what's going to be in the press release, but what market with the press release in. Of course, you're going to put the press release in the market that you're interested in. But I would also recommend that you put it in some ancillary markets. Markets where you buy your patents might be the future, or markets where your patents may be an improvement, versus markets where your patents were specifically designed some product or service. Another thing about press releases is, this may sound simple, but having things like graphics and so on in the press release. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, a graphic that, you know, makes something look good. You know, maybe you downloaded a free version of something, you know, to pop, pop the press release. I'm talking about a graphic that somehow, basically within 10 seconds, shows what your patent is. Now, this takes us a lot of work because what you're trying to do, you know, patents have figures in them, right? That's a figure diagram. It has a, a picture of a three-dimensional object or whatever it is. We're talking about some figure that can breathe life into not only what the patent is, but what the claims are in such a way to show the value of what your invention is. Many times, for instance, it could be a black box inside of a machine 
where the black box sits there inside of the machine. And the black box has strong functions, like makes the machine 10x faster, makes, makes this machine, you know, never need oil. And so without talking about the actual method or the, or, or the apparatus that's doing it, we actually embed it in its value chain. And then as a black box, if people don't know what it is, they'll have to read the press release and click on the link to go look at the patent. But you're kind of getting them to see your patent as a the mysterious thing it is because it works so well. So incorporating graphics and leading the witness to once they read the press release that they really got to talk to you or minimally at least go to the links to download your patents. It would be also good if you have press releases that you could track if people opened up the press release. There's all sorts of ways to put out press releases like uh, you know MailChimp, et cetera, uh, because it'd be really good to track who's opening the press release and how long they're spending with it. One of the things is that and people don't think about this for press releases until it's too late, but you want to make it as easy as possible for a potential buyer when they're reading a press release to track the links. So it, it could be that you have a link that actually goes to a web page that has other links. So that's really good, right? Because instead of having four or five links or just one link to the patent, which would be, I think, kind of dumb, you want to link it to someplace that they go so they get this really cool view of all the things that you're doing. So you need to think about that because your press release is the first time, it's the first marketing of your patents. So you want that to be a good showing by itself, but you want that link to somehow to go someplace that basically really makes an eye-popping appeal for your patents. And one of the things that we find in press releases, which you would never think would be useful, and I have found is almost one of the most useful things in the world when I sell patents, is to tell the story about the inventor. And what I mean by that is, you know, inventors have great stories. They decided one inventor that was a professor at the university and he drove out, you know, from the university one day in a crowded city and he, he started really being upset that he had to spend all this time in traffic. And he saw all this, these lines of cabs and he was thinking these cabs are really clogging up the city. And he was very frustrated about this. So over time, this professor basically worked out algorithms that could basically be sold to cab companies to help them figure out how they could get their cabs directly where they needed to be without much weight and have less of them running and less of them clogging up the city and mathematical algorithms that were embodied in a, in a software system. His story about how frustrated he was was great to lead the patent sale because it's human and people love that stuff. They'd like to know what the rationale was behind the invention because when they're telling the story about your patents, they can tell the story about you. Another thing about using press releases is you can really highlight what, what else comes with the patent sale. Yeah, you can sell the patents, but you can sell the know-how. You can sell a contract of your team to help them continue to develop the patents. You could sell them further inventions that you come up with on the patents. You could sell them the prototypes. You could sell them your brand, your trade names, and all that stuff. So when you sit down and start thinking about your press release, not only think about the patents you're trying to sell and where they're going to link, but think about all the other things that would add value. And finally, here's a cool one. Of course, there's a lot more we can say about press releases, but I'll close with this last one. <clears throat> Utilizing third parties. It's one thing for you to write a press release about yourself. It's a whole other thing to have a third party, an influencer, uh, author a press release. And I'm telling you, this is done more times than not, that you really hire a third party to write the press release for you. And But the, the thinking is that the, the third party did it because they were so impressed by what you were doing. Of course, that does happen too. So for press releases, 
think about hiring a third party or, or and think about a really good influencer that could get into the market. Um, some companies might, you know, find retired fellows of large companies that have a name and get them behind the press release, for instance. Some companies could use a real influencer in social media. Uh, of course, you know, the higher the name, the better well-known, the better it is from the third party. So let's jump to topic number four, patent valuations. Now, you can go to our podcast on patent valuation and learn an awful lot about how to do patent valuation. But let's just assume that you're selling your patent and let's assume you get a patent valuation, which I'd highly recommend. It's one thing to do a patent valuation so you can understand the patent value. It's a whole other thing to do patent valuations because of all the things you're gonna learn. You're gonna learn about the markets. You're gonna learn about the strength of your patents. You're gonna learn about growth rates. You're gonna learn about the cost of capital and royalty rates. You're gonna learn about a whole bunch of stuff. And <clears throat> by, by learning that, it gives you a real edge when you're trying to figure out how to sell your patent, what should be in your marketing patent, well, the marketing patent. One of the nice things about patent valuation, of course, is you know how much it's worth. So if you think it's worth uh, uh, 5 million and you find out that considerably it's worth a couple hundred thousand, then you might not even spend the time to want to sell your patent. But even worse, you spend all the time selling your patent, then it's worth millions and it's only worth hundreds of thousands. By the time you try to sell your patent and your expectation is in the millions, and it's really hundreds of thousands, then you've got a real problem because the buyer is certainly going to try to figure it out. So it's really important to understand the true value. One of the things you do in doing patent valuations is that if, say, the patent's less than 100 grand, $150,000, well, that's a whole different type of sale. That's a quick, low-value sale where you're looking for a check and you want to do this as fast as possible. But what if the valuation is over a million, a million and a half? Then all of a sudden, you've got a whole different can of worms. Because the work you have to do to find somebody to buy a patent for that amount of money, one, two, ten, right now we're doing one for 20 million. Um, it takes an awful lot of work to get someone to understand what your patent's about and why it's worth 10 to 20 million. So by leveraging all sorts of things, uh, for instance, if you have some experts helping you, maybe they have a, a Rolodex. Maybe they have some methods that really help uh, you to get in front of others. But when you're starting the negotiation, there's a whole series of things that you can do to show the value and why it's, why it's high. One of the things is that when you do evaluation, as I mentioned, you'll understand multiple markets to the valuation. Uh, I tell the story of, of a company, a hypothetical company, that put nanoparticle silver in the handles of plastic for endoscopes. And that's their patent. Nano silver particles in a plastic on an endoscope handle. And the reason for doing it is because it, it kills germs. So basically, they're trying, in a hypothetical company, trying to say that their value really is that, you know, 10% of all endoscope handles should be replaced by our, our handles. And if you sort of think about the endoscope market, they only sell so many per year. 10% of that is the market. And now you're trying to sell to endoscope companies. But suppose then you start thinking about the value of this patent, and suppose you find out that by using these nanoparticle silver in plastic and endoscope handles, that the endoscope needs to be washed less. What does that mean? Well, that means that an endoscope usually has to be washed one or two times, and it's expensive. If it can get washed just once because of your technology, now instead of you being embedded in endoscopes, you know, looking for that market, you're actually looking for companies that you know might enjoy the benefit of reducing the amount of washing, which is basically the hospitals 
and 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 those companies that actually manage hospitals are looking for ways to save money. So maybe in that sense, your patent would have more value in that market. So the idea is to try to figure out the market. And in this case, my hypothetical, it turns out it was much better to license the patent to multiple markets than it was to sell a patent. And one of these evaluations do is help you find potential buyers. Because in every valuation, you're, you're, find, you're looking for potential buyers itself. And how do you find potential buyers? There's many ways. We mentioned citations as one. But with inside evaluation, you can literally find potential buyers. Because anybody that's trying to value a patent should know who the entities are that might be buying the patents. So do evaluation is just another way of finding who might buy the patents. And we mentioned there's other things like royalty rates and, and patent terms and things like that when you do evaluation. See, if your royalty rate is going to be a half of 1% versus 10, 12%, that's a very different thing. So when you're selling a patent with a with a potential in the market, it, you know, comparable of high royalty rates, that tells you your patent's more valuable. If you have a thousand patents and each one can get a 1% royalty rate versus if you have five patents and they get 10% royalty rates, it's a whole different thing. So by understanding royalty rates, you understand another aspect of the value. Uh, by the way, a lot of companies, and one deal I did, uh, which was basically $168 million at one point, was that we went in to, to sell the patent, but we decided to talk about the royalty rates and, and the licensing of it. Once they recognized the length of time that they had to pay for the license and the high royalty rate, it became much easier for them to justify buying the patent. So this is a great reason to try to, you know, think about the royalty rate. And then the last thing I'll, I'll mention here is, you know, having experts to help you support the sale price, having some experts to help you put a package together. You know, from what we're training and talking about here in the podcast, I know you could do a very good job by including a lot of these concepts, but there's nothing like looking at example sample packages and what was done. You see, once you get to do this right, you can... Uh, figure out how to get the key decision makers. You can figure out what the right price is. You can figure out the right negotiation skill tactics to use. You can figure out how to handle confidentiality when it's brought in. You can understand how to not get a declaratory judgment. Uh, in other words, you, you won't, an expert will never get you in the position where you're threatening to sue somebody, et cetera. So there's a lot of guidance and support you can get on this, and I highly recommend it. One of the other things is a, an, an in-depth understanding of your patent value in the market is really good. Because at some point, the valuation actually could be showed in the discussion of the value. I can't tell you how many times when we get to the actual sale. The, the buyer says one number, we say another. And generally, our number is higher than theirs because it's trying to get the best price. At the, at the path to the lowest price. But we say, no, it's at a higher price. But we, in our back of our mind, in our hip pocket, we have the valuation. And they start to say, that can't be possible. So then we say, how would you like to sit down and see our valuation? Now we're working on the same page of a pro forma based valuation to justify the sale. So these are just some tips on valuations and some tips on press releases. Using them both will definitely improve your chances in selling your patents. Now coming up, we're gonna talk about a strategic approach to focusing on the many opportunities to have partnerships to essentially create an interest to buy your patents. We're gonna talk about four or five different strategies, which we call Trojan horse strategies. We were actually going in to do something where the, the initial thrust is not to sell a patent, but at least to get in the door. We're also gonna show uh, a, a sort of marketing package, things that you need to have, like on a, identifying the product hook, or identifying the marketing hook, or how to figure out the right 
a gatekeeper and how to get through that. So we're going to be talking about those things. So stay tuned coming up. Let's learn about all the different ways and strategies uh, to help patent sales. And let's figure out how to position that marketing package correctly. So let's go to topic number five, using a Trojan horse. So we all know the story of the Trojan War, right? Where the Greeks attempted to get into the city and the way they got into Troy was they sort of deceived. They sort of left the, the shores as if they gave up and they left this kind of big wooden horse as an idea that the Greeks could take this as a present. And the Greeks thought, man, this is cool. They're gone. They decided to party and they haul this huge Greek horse inside the walls of Troy. When everybody was drunk and asleep, the 25, 30 guys in the, in the Trojan horse got out of the trap door and shimmy down some ropes and opened up the gates uh, for the army that was hidden and waiting. But that's the idea of a Trojan horse. You go in for one thing, but it's really another. Uh, you, you hear the saying, beware Greeks, beware gifts. <laughs> so the same can be done with selling patents. Now, I'm not talking about being dishonest here. Uh, I'm just talking about strategies to get in. Now, you know you want to sell the patent. But what if a company would say, geez, why don't we just buy your own company? That'd be kind of interesting, right? So why not do that? Why not go with a strategy that says, I'm going to try to figure out under the right conditions how to go in to try to do a business transaction where the patents are going to be part of it. But to me, the main part is selling the patents. I'd like to say, no, we don't want to do that, but how about selling your patents? So that's the idea of the Trojan horse. And there's a group of them. The first one is the Trojan horse uses for an M&A. First of all, to try to sell patents by itself and to try to get through gatekeepers, <coughs> it's amazing the kind of gatekeepers you have to get through. In some cases, you have to get through patent counsel. Because in some companies, patent counsels are the ones that look at anything coming in that has to do with patent purchases or licenses. Sometimes you can get into a technologist where the technologist, the CTO, might be so knowledgeable about patents that they become interested in it and they bring the patent guys in after. That's a better way. The third way, which is even better, is get to a biz step person, not the technical and not the legal. Because once the business guy really sees the use for the patents, then he can more easily convince the technologists and the legal groups. But understanding that, all of those are tactics to get through gatekeepers. And who you decide to get in through is, is really part of your whole strategy for selling patents. But now they turn it around. You see, it's easier to get inside of a company to sell your company. It's a whole different set of relationships that are different. Business relationships, marketing relationships, executives. So if you offer to try to sell your company, uh, iBankers are sometimes used for this, where they have a very sophisticated process. We work on hundreds of, hundreds of deals where iBankers are involved with patents, working on one right now. But if you're going to try to sell your company, it's a whole different group of people. And they won't just shut you down because the patent is not broad or whatever. They'll literally understand your business. And, and a lot of companies have good open door mechanisms for acquisitions. So we would say that an M&A would be a great Trojan horse to start with. A second one would be sort of like that, a joint venture. Now you're talking to the technology and R&D people. So going into an entity and saying, I would love my company to, to have a joint venture with yours to maybe go after some common product that we could build. I'll be the supplier and, and you be the producer, et cetera. Now, I, I can tell you that a lot of companies that have patents don't have any prototypes. They don't have 
any any kind of technology development going or whatever, how can they possibly be talking about a JV? You can always put together a JV on paper. You can always say, we're thinking of doing this, okay? Uh, we're going to take our patent technology, we're going to build out this platform, and we'll partner with you, and then we can go meet the market together. So a JV is certainly an interesting way to get through the gatekeepers. A third one is just a partnership. Now, partnerships can be anything. A joint venture is one type of a partnership, but there are many other, uh, uh, you know, partnerships. Procurement, for instance, like co-sponsoring a development team or becoming a supplier to someone or any kind of partnership arrangement you can think about might lead to then the patent being discussed and then having a recognition that maybe the buyer should, the, the partner might want to just buy a patent outright. One thing we recognize is, and by the way, there's a lot of different Trojan horse markets here. I can only do four or five. But one is, there's a, certainly a market for early stage with small companies where they don't have patents. They might have some money, or they have certainly equity. So uh, a big part of our marketing sometimes is to go find some companies that are either small public companies or private companies, pitch them about uh, you know, helping their company grow through getting access to your patents, and you do it in exchange for equity. Now, a lot of companies, you know, don't want to get into equity in a private company, but equity in a public company is fine. A lot of companies don't want to do equity at all. I get it. But this is just another Trojan horse direction. Well, another one is uh, Trojan horse number five, which is offering a product or prototype for review. If you don't have a prototype, generally they're easy to build. And a lot more doors open up trying to sell a prototype and get the discussion going at that level than they would to sell your patents. Since your patent is really defined by what your prototype is built as, having somebody really look at a prototype and saying, let's work together, maybe the next question would be, is this patented? And, and all of a sudden, if you're getting in the door of product development or somewhere else in technology and not in the door of the IP function, which may be basically a guard, a gatekeeper to not let you in. So let's move to topic number six, selling to large companies. First of all, what is large company? What's the definition? I mean, it could be anything, right? I would say Fortune 500 companies, companies in the billions, because these types of companies have internal functions that know how to inbound a patent purchase or a JV or an M&A or any kind of patent partnership. Smaller companies, 100 million or less, they tend not to have any kind of you know, uh, you know internal processes to evaluate buying patents. And why am I talking about that? Well, it, it turns out that if a company has good internal processes to buy patents or do M&As, your life is going to be a lot easier. Because even if a $100 million company is interested in your patents, they have to spend a whole bunch of time and resources trying to figure out how to do it. They don't have anybody in the company that's ever done that thing. So you're really better off if you can get to a large company first. Now, I've worked for over 15% of the Fortune 500s. Next weekend, I'm headed off to spend three days with uh, 35 vice presidents of this large company to basically help them out with inventing. And so we, we get a really intimate view inside what large companies look for. Sometimes when a company is trying to sell their patents, large companies would call us to have us help them evaluate. So what do large companies look for? Well, one thing for certain is they're looking for the product hook. They're looking for a link between your patent claims and some product or service that they're selling. If you can't do that, chances are you're going to be very hard at selling your patent. 
And developing this product hook, in other words, this patent reads on this part of your product. Supposing a company's making an air, air turbine, uh, you know, a wind turbine or something, and your patent is on a gear that basically has special materials that basically doesn't heat up as much, doesn't wear down as much, and basically has a higher efficiency than most gears. Then basically the product hook, right, is here's a wind turbine, here's your black box fitting into their system, and you're going to give them better efficiency. You're going to give them longer life, et cetera. So that's the product hook. So figuring out that product hook is extremely important. The more precise, the better. The more it relates directly to your claims, the better. Once you find the product hook, then you need to find the patent hook. Well, the patent hook is really kind of interesting here because it, it demonstrates how your patent really is different. <coughs> See, lots of patents are issued. Some patents try to solve the same problem in a different way. Some patents are kind of unique in solving a problem. So if you can show how your patent is unique and different than other people's patents, that's the patent hook. So if you have high citations, that's part of a patent hook. If you have your patent is already licensed to 20 companies, that's a patent hook. If you have 50 patents versus one, that's a patent hook. There are many types of patent hooks. So with some expert advice helping you to think through this, you might be able to figure out some really neat patent hooks. If your patents have trade secrets behind them, that's a patent hook. The next thing is going to find what I'm going to call the internal messaging hook. What's that? Well, you know, if you were trying to sell a patent to a company, maybe there's 30 companies on your list, you're probably be wanting to look at the websites and the publications of those companies. Supposing you found the CEO of a large company putting a statement out in their 10K filing or in the press that they are interested in artificial intelligence for the future of you know, wind turbine controls. Uh, and that's going to differentiate them in the marketplace. Turns out that your patent is an AI patent on wind turbine controls. You're going to directly show the CEO's quote in your marketing package. How can they dispute that they're not interested in your invention? So finding the internal messaging book from a CEO, a CTO, an analyst, some, some third party that says that they're interested in this space. You show up with the patents, they'll do a better job. Another direction here for improving your marketing package is actually showing the marketing hook. Here you're trying to show that your patent actually helps the market. Sometimes it can be a catalyst for innovation or growth in a particular area. Like your invention is the beginning of something that people can build on. That would be a marketing hook. Sometimes it could be that it's now a different te technology direction that improves the environment or makes things more efficient. That's a marketing hook. Sometimes being first at something disruptive is a marketing hook. Sometimes patents can help a fast follower get into the market even faster. That's a marketing hook. So thinking about how your patent helps the market and putting that in your marketing package using a marketing hook is very, very important. Another hook is a competitive advantage hook. That's like a set of charts and graphs showing where your patents are in time versus competitors' patents in time by category if you can, showing how your patents fill a niche where the, the buyer doesn't have it and neither do the competitors. That's powerful. A big part of our marketing package is always are showing the competitive analysis of patents to show firmly and directly why our clients' patents are, are gonna be extremely useful from a competition's point of view. 
And last, another part of the marketing package, and one of the last parts is find the right entry point. We mentioned the IP console or the marketing guys, or the CTO or the CEO, et cetera. It turns out that uh, a lot of times the type of things that you're talking about might be the might be the rationale for the type of entry point you use. So for instance, if you're trying to use citations as a big part of what you're doing, it's probably better to go to IP console because they know what a citation is. CTOs, the CEOs, they don't know what that is. On the other hand, if a big part of what you're trying to do is uh, basically JV or an M&A, then of course, business development people. If another case is that you're trying to show how this is a disruption marketing book, then very likely the CTO. So the, you see how this works, right? By doing this work and figuring out your marketing package, it leads to who's going to be the entry point in that company. And then finally is, you know, uh, crafting this very strong marketing package that has all this stuff in it that we're talking about. Now, marketing packages come as a set of, you know, buildups. So the first marketing package could be a two-pager that you're sending to get them interest. Uh, if there's interest in discussion, the next marketing package to be a brief before the first meeting. And at, at the first meeting, you have a, a third marketing package that then builds on it. Listening to their objections is really important. So once you've met with them and listen to their objections, having a marketing package that you produce on the fly to come back and answer their objections is also very useful. And in doing this, you're building a pretty strong relationship with the buyer, right? You're not just pushing everything at them all at once. Nobody wants that. You're building a very short, small relationship to start with, hoping that will deepen over the months and months that will take you to a patent transaction. You know, there's old saying, people don't care much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so the idea is that, you know, why wouldn't you build a relationship? So a lot of times in our outreaches, we're not even talking about that we're trying to sell patents or anything. We're just trying to build a relationship with them, you know, through social media or whatever. And then over a period of several months, we actually have a working, you know, back and forth that then gets them to the point where, you know, we can advise if they're interested in maybe taking a look at some patents, we can have it. And then we have a stronger relationship. And then we go into the marketing. Now, you're going to say to yourself, well, maybe I don't have that kind of time. Probably that's right. But I can tell you, getting out to the market fast in the wrong way is almost navigate your chances, you know, to begin with. So it's really important to go. You know, patents last 20 years. So the difference between three months and, and six months should be problematic. Well, so let's wrap up. So we talked about the basics, right? Topic number one, how patents can highlight innovation qualities, how you can gain competitive advantage, how you can use this to help secure agreements and partnerships. You can use it in consideration uh, infringement. We talked about how you can stay ahead of the competition by showing your buyer how they can st stay ahead of the competition. So we try to lay in the basics. Then we, topic number two, talk about using citations, right? How to understand them, forwards and backwards, and how many, and what date, and so on. We talked about how to find buyers from the citations. We talked about how to use citations to enhance the selling. So there's a lot of uses for citations. It might be worth to go back and play that part of the podcast, and that's one of the interesting parts. We talked about press releases. Pretty common thing, but pretty surprising things. We talked about how a structured press release can really capture what you're trying to do, highlight the, the value of your patents, put it in the context of the human story, and discuss all sorts of other assets and maybe even get a third party that, that can create the press release for you to effectively have a really good press release to attract buyers. 
we talked about using patent valuations, right? In patent valuations, knowing the value is primarily important before we even go out to market, because if it's not worth that amount of money, why spend the time? If it's worth a lot of money, then it's going to take a lot of time to sell it. But on the other hand, if you think it's worth a lot of money, but it's not, then you're going to end up very starkly different between the buyer and, and your and your hopes. So doing patent valuations is good. And you also understand potential buyers. Uh, you'll be able to understand potential royalty rates, what the value is in the market over time. I talked talk about that deal where I did a deal where so 168 million, whereby the, the royalty rates were such that when we showed them the royalty rates, it was cheaper to buy the bands. We talked about this strategy called using Trojan horses, and we gave four or five of them, right? An M&A, a JV, things like that, a partnership arrangement. We talked about, you know, somehow using prototypes and do some development together. And so these Trojan horses are great ways to get through the gatekeepers. By the way, we didn't have time today. We talked about Trojan horses as one of the tactics to use in selling patents. There are many other tactics. Trojan horse is just one of them. The idea of figuring out what your patent is valuable, getting through the gatekeepers and closing a sale, each one of those has multiple tactics. So it might be worse, for instance, working with some experts to help you with that. And then finally, we talked about topic number six and selling the large companies to find what the size of a large company was in the billions or Fortune 500 or whatever. They certainly can write checks, right? But talking about how you can get inside, talk about the product hook, you know, why it's good for their product. We're talking about the patent hook. What's so great about your patents? We're talking about the internal messaging hook, you know, who's saying what and when and how to hook it to that. And talking about building relationships uh, in order to make that, that sale go. And negotiating from a position of strength by really understanding, you know, how those large companies think and who in those large companies that you're going to get to to start the sale process. So I hope you enjoyed this, uh, how to sell patents for those that want to win and for those that don't. One of the main differences, they don't have the knowledge. And so I hope you and wish you success with selling your patents. Uh, this is John Cronin, Invent Anything. If you like this, please subscribe and come join us on our blog, Invent Anything.